It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.06 on a Saturday morning, 69 degrees outside, and this is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful in your garden, and all you have to do is just think of a question and give me a call. 404-872-0750 to get you in. We have a lot of the calls in line right now. As soon as one drops off, you can get in and get their place. 404-872-0750. First in line, Marcus in Atlanta. Hey, Marcus, good morning. How you doing, Walter? Hey man, I'm fine. Good What's morning. up? Uh, well, I've been I'm I'm a new uh, gardener out here, and I'm, I'm and I was I was wondering. I um, had a lot of issues in the past with my backyard. Yeah. And so uh, I put down some uh, some sod, uh, but what I did was I, I I did plugs. I got it. Because I, I didn't have a lot of it, and I wanted to kind of uh, see how it would do. Yeah, and so, um, so what's happening is, on, in some parts of the yard, is is uh, is growing uh, perfect, but in other in other places, it it keeps dying out. When did you it's when like, did you plant the side pieces, with the little plugs? When did you do that? Uh, I did it last year. Okay, um, around March. All right, good. So you had a long time to get established. So it's been. Did it look pretty good last year? Most of it, or did some of it start uh, dying last year? Yeah, it it looked it looked it looked great last year, and for some odd reason, it keeps dying out. Hmm. And the, so, uh, what I do, I, um, every uh, like January, I put out uh, lime, um, and I, I keep it sprayed. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, and as and as far as you know, I, I, I'm currently in Douglasville, so we get plenty of rain. Yeah, <laughs> you got north and northwest of Atlanta. You got all the rain two weeks ago. You know, the two things it seems to me, Marcus, that always are the top top things that Bermuda grass hates. One is shade, and two mm-hmm. is soggy soil. Is there any chance you got either shade or soggy soil or both in the places where the Bermuda is not thriving? Yeah, yeah. yes, sir. Uh, I have a downspout ah. right in this, and that's where it's, it's dying. Right ah, next ah. Then Marcus, that's where yes, we sir. work. <laughs> you got to either, you know, put one of those um, black plastic hoses and direct the water to the edge of the yard, or do something to. Mm-hmm disperses the water where it's not on the grass because it sounds to me like that is the biggest thing to worry with is soggy soil and with all the rain of course is spring the Bermuda said oh man I'm out of here and right. that's what I would work on the first thing is this soggy soil okay thank you very much Marcus I want to talk to you more as you get more successful in the lawn I want to have a pretty lawn out there in Douglasville and tell me about it alright yes sir I will we'll see you soon friend alright Nine minutes past the hour gives Tommy his turn. Tommy, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man. Good morning. Hey, hey. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. What's going on? Hey, I got. A, I got a. I live in a corner lot, and I have a beautiful, um, Bermuda lawn. But I have a a huge patch of centipede that I'm trying to get rid of. How can uh, I get rid of that? 
Let me think now. So you want Bermuda to grow and not centipede, right? Correct. Okay. I, earlier in the show, I was talking about how you change. The first thing to think about always is changing the environment so that one plant that you don't like will go away and the other plant that you like will, will succeed. So right. one of the things that centipede grass does not like is to be fertilized a lot during the summertime. One of the things that Bermuda grass loves, 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 is to be fertilized a lot in the summertime. Okay. It will mean that you have to mow a little bit more often, Tommy. But if I were going to try something without trying to spray, and frankly, there's not much that's selected, it'll take the Bermuda out of the centipede, if you want, excuse me, take the, um, the centipede out of the Bermuda. So if I were you, I would work on fertilizing. Just fertilize once every... Ooh, let's see, once every six weeks would be about right for Bermuda grass. Centipede can take once every 10 weeks in the summertime, okay. and centipede is perfectly happy with that. Right. So fertilize more often with the Bermuda grass and be accustomed to mowing every four or five days. If you let it go and just do it on every Saturday, every weekend, it'll get ahead of you pretty quickly, and you'll find that the Bermuda will get so tall between mowing that when you mow, it'll mow down to the brown part, the low part of the Bermuda grass uh, plant. And so mm -hmm. you need to mow every four or five days if you fertilize this heavily. But that said, it'll take the centipede out pretty quickly if you just fertilize more than the centipede likes. Okay, okay, great. Because I tried scalping it by the time pulling an aerate and try to put down some Bermuda seed that yeah. had no effect on yeah. it. Yeah, all right. Okay. One other question, please. I'm, uh, at the end of my driveway, I'm, I'm putting down two crate myrtles. What is a, a suggestion that I can kind of plant around a crate myrtle to kind of fill it in? No, just a little ground cover, you mean, around the bottom of it? Yes, sir. Gosh, a lot of people use uh, monkey grass. Lirio is real common. I have a neighbor that has it around the bottom of his. I know you can do it, too. So okay. monkey grass is common. Um, okay. What else would be nice underneath there? I'm sure there's some. Maybe you could put a lantana. That's an annual plant. Uh, monkey grass. Do monkey grass. Don't worry about it. That'll be fine, Tommy. <laughs> All right, thank you all. All right, man. We'll see you soon. Do it easy. Don't try to do it hard. If you get, you know, if you want to get ambitious and do something hard year after year after year, then go for that later on. But for right now, Lirio, monkey grass, that'll do fine underneath a crepe myrtle. Uh, Karen, Karen's out of Hamilton Mill. Hey, Karen, good morning. Well, good morning, Walter. Hi, I appreciate Karen. your show. Sure. How can um, I help? I have I had nine pop, uh, poplar trees, not poplar. Sorry, wrong tree. River, river birch. A, uh, what? Uh, the canopy trimmed last spring mm -hmm. on these nine trees, and one of them where the branch was cut off is bleeding black, Eesh. or like I say, it's crying. <laughs> yeah. And it's done it ever since they were trimmed. Wow. And then the other part of my question is I have a gardenia bush that suffered in the last freeze, and I trimmed Ooh. it down. And not one leaf is growing on it, Ooh. but there's still life in the um, in the branches. You can see uh, the green. I will deal with the cardenia first. It may be that there's, okay. there's warmth in the body, but the body is deceased because if it has no leaves right now, even though the branches may be green, if there's not any leaves on it, I mean, not even one. It broke my heart because yeah. I was questioning: should I should I trim it back? I think we need to replace hard. that gardenia with something else. Get another gardenia if you want to. There's plenty of them on sale at Pike now. You get the sensational or the creeping gardenia or the frost-proof gardenia or, gosh, there's five different varieties you can get for different sizes and different, uh, different ways yeah. that they grow. 
I would replace it. I would not spend another nickel or minute of time either one on the gardenia. And then okay. as far as the, the tree bleeding, was this a big cut or a big limb that got cut off? Yes. All of them. They're, they're very tall trees. They're okay. like 50 foot high. So it just so I, wanted to, I wanted to open up the view of the western sky okay. so on the lower branch. So it hasn't healed that cut yet. It sounds to me like the tree just hasn't healed completely the cut. And so sap is coming out, and the sap is a great substrate for fungi of some sort that's black and oozy looking and doesn't look great. But eventually, most limbs, if they're cut correctly, will heal and stop bleeding, and the fungus will go away with nothing to grow on. So I think for the time being on the tree, leave it alone. If you want to wash it off, okay, but I don't think there's going to be any major permanent damage done by letting it bleed. Cool. Well, Walter, I just talked to it and tell it I'm sorry, oh, but I yeah. needed to see that western sky. That's part of it, too. <laughs> it's part of you wanting to see the scenery out there, and the tree you had to sacrifice the limb for you. But if you talk to it nice, I feel sure that tree will be with us for many more years. Yay! Yeah, the rest of them are very healthy. <laughs> All right. So, and go get a new gardenia. Get a gardenia that smells good right now. Get one of those double-flowered gardenias and enjoy that for the next uh, couple of weeks. Well, sounds good. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, sure, Karen. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. 7.15 on a Saturday morning. Steve gets his turn. Hey, finally, Steve from Buford. Good morning. Hey, uh, good morning, Walter. Appreciate you taking calls. Sure. Uh, What's going question. on? Quick question about barberry bushes. Mine are very pretty this year. They have a real pretty canopy of green underneath, but all the stems coming up six to eight inches, yeah. gorgeous, you know, oranges, yellows, reds, and stuff. But is there a point where I need to cut them back? The wife is saying, hey, they look too you know, wild and woolly out there. I think you and your wife need to find a compromise as to what is wild and what is woolly and what is civilized. Right. Barberry, anytime somebody talks about pruning barberry, it just makes me think of the times that I've gotten stuck by barberry thorns, which I hate. And so I prune as, as less often as I possibly can. Whenever I can avoid it, I don't do it because I get stuck by the thorns so frequently. So you and the spouse, y'all talk about how much pruning would be acceptable to her, and you do the minimum and maybe do it in cool weather when you can wear a leather jacket and gloves and get out and do it. But I can't say that there's one thing that needs to be done, one particular pruning method that needs to be done on Barberry to make it prettier. Judicious pruning is fine, and cautious pruning is best. Okay. Okay. Don't get stuck. They get infected. That's the thing that I hate about barberry thorns is when you get stuck by them, the place where they stick your skin will swell up and be red and painful for two or three days afterwards. I don't like barberry much at all. Oh, yeah. It, uh, of course, they were planted there when we bought the house, but um, I have to tolerate them. But yeah. they are pretty at particular this time of yeah, year. Yeah, this time of year they're nice. But you say the colors and everything on it. Just when you prune, be careful. That's all I ask. Well done. Okay. All right, Steve. Thanks hey, for thanks coming. So we'll see you, man. It's 718 News Talk WSB back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
weather today brought to you by Ackerman Security today. The high around 84 degrees, low of 68. Showers moving in, moving out, maybe a couple of thunderstorms. No rain on the Storm Tracker HD radio right now, but perhaps later on today. Tomorrow, pretty much the same. High in the mid 80s, low in the mid to high 60s overnight. Rain again, a possibility each day. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Pierce in Murrayville joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Pierce. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing today? Doing fine. Pierce, what's going on? I have a rose bush. I think it's a Cherokee rose bush that was my grandmother's that I've just transplanted out of North Carolina yeah. back down here. All right. It bloomed. It had some beautiful, tight, little, small red blossoms. Not Cherokee uh, rose, then. Cherokee's going to be white. Oh, Okay, well, uh-huh. I don't know what kind. Of, I don't know what kind of rose it is, but it's a real small, tight red bloom. Okay, um, but it's got like a couple of little branches or runners, maybe I guess. Okay, um, that are really thriving, and the rest of it was dead when I transplanted it. And I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to prune it to get it to maybe bush more rather than just these. One or two little runners coming off. What did it? What was it when it was growing in North Carolina? Was it a bush there? Was it a long climbing rose, or what did it do there? That's what it, it was. Just my son just let it do what it wanted to do. So it was kind of a runner, I guess. Yeah, well, it's going to be a runner. It's going to be a runner in Georgia. Then, if it was a runner in North Carolina, it's not going to change its habit. Um, yeah, if you want to prune it some to make it more bushy than. Runnery Pierce, you could do that, I guess, but it's always best to respect the the habit of the rose of what it wants to be is a runner. Why not put a trellis up and let it run? Okay, I was just wondering. I didn't know because it seemed like, and I, I know that this is weird, but it was my grandmother's bush. Got it. And it just seems like she had it bushy, and when he transplanted it, he just kind of forgot it and let it go mm. and didn't care for it, but. Um, I but wonder it, uh, if it's a grafted rose and the bottom, the the rootstock on it has sort of taken over the top. It's possible that happens because the rootstocks that roses are grafted onto have little red flowers on it. And I wonder if that's what's going on. That's the reason it's maybe changed a little bit of what you expect. Think oh. about that. Just to see if you go back on the history, talk to your son, and sort of say, did it used to look different from this when Grandma had it? Was it white maybe back then? Was there a difference in the way the the plant grew? I'm just wondering if it could be the rootstock is what has taken over now because many of the rootstocks that are very vigorous that grow, roses are grafted to are long runners with small red flowers. That's what I'm thinking could be what's going on here. So check back with the family and see if you see any memory and see if anybody remembers what it used to look like when Grandma had it. It's 727 and one half at News Talk WSB. Coming up in the next half hour, Bob at Woodstock wants to talk about his zoysia and Bermuda grass. Sharon wants to know when is the right time to transplant Lily of the Valley. Larry has a knockout rose in a planter with white specks all over the leaves. You can join us at 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
735 and 69.5 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful and also to bring a little happiness into your life. You can register. You can register for a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Corteo by Cirque du Soleil coming to Infinite Energy Arena from August the 29th through September the 2nd. Tickets are on sale now at CirqueDuSoleil.com, but you can register to win a pair of tickets to Corteo by Cirque du Soleil. If you want to register, go to WSBRadio.com and register there. Tickets to Corteo August the 29th through September the 2nd. 404-872-0750 to get you in to get your garden questions answered this morning. Bob at Woodstock joined us. Hey, Bob, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Uh, you could make me very happy if you could help me get my uh, zoysia to take over my Bermuda. Ah, okay. I bought shot in it with um, the Roundup yeah. or that Roundup stick, but I just can't get the Bermuda out. Any... Any helpful hints? 10 to 20 years will <laughs> do it for you. I say that because my neighbor down the street, Warren and Sissy, had a patch of zoysia grass in their front yard that was probably three feet by three feet. When I moved in 27 years ago, now it is almost the entire front yard. It's 20 by 20, 30 by 30, maybe. It's only 27 years that the zoysia has finally crept over the Bermuda and become a zoysia lawn there, so... Look forward to that, Bob. <laughs> Twenty but years away. Zoysia will will dominate. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. It's right? a long time. Exactly. Zoysia is a thicker, denser grass, and so eventually shades out Bermuda in most cases. It's one of those things that the environment is cannot be manipulated particularly to make one happier than the other. Sometimes mowing low will favor Bermuda over zoysia. Zoysia doesn't particularly like being mowed real low. So if you had a a real mower could get in there about an inch high with Bermuda, the zoysia it's going to be pretty uncomfortable at that height, but it's going to take a while, even at that. So, if you want the if you want the zoysia to take over, I think round up and replace is about the best you can do to, to kill the Bermuda grass and put plugs of zoysia or zoysia sod in to take over. And mow a little higher. Mow a little bit higher, yeah. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Twenty years, Bob. Twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see you, Thank Bob. You. Thanks for calling. Hi. Sharon is with us. Sharon comes to Roswell from Roswell, Georgia. Hey, Sharon. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hi. Um, I've got some uh, lily of the valley that's encroaching other plants, and I wondered, can I dig them up and transplant them now? First, you have to tell me how you have grown it successfully, since I have never succeeded. What did you do to make it happy? Well, it's actually, I, when my mother passed away, she had them, and I thought, I've got to have them now. And I just brought them over and just put them in the yard, and they took off. How long ago did your mom pass? Uh, nine years. Good heavens. Yeah. I'm totally jealous, Sharon. I've tried to get Lily. I must have planted those sort of things four times. I would love times. to dig them up and give them to you. Man. Is it in sun, shade, what kind of soil? Uh, well, it's... Uh, oh dear, it gets uh, morning sun and then afternoon shade. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and it's on a hill. I, I've totally. You, you had an article in the paper Thursday about a man that had a hill with i. Uh, yeah, ivy. Yeah, sure. My my hill was covered with ivy, hmm. and I put Roundup on it, got rid of it. And I put um, 
in, in most of the area, I put uh, hellebores. And they have done wonderful. Sure. And then where there's more light, I put put the uh, lily of the valley and then some other plants. And mm-hmm. and it really, you know, it it's done well on that hill. I don't think there's a magic time to transplant the lily of the valley. You sound like you have it pretty much in hand right now. I mean, midsummer when it's hot and dry and you can't get to water and you go on vacation, probably is not the great time to move it. And during the wintertime, when it's sort of bedraggled and cold as hit them, it might not be the most the easiest time yeah, to do it Yeah, you can't really see them. Yeah, you can't yeah. see them at all in the wintertime. So right. I'm going to guess that in the spring, when the leaves are just sort of turtling up out of the ground, would be the best time to move it around, just like a hosta, for instance, would be a great time in the spring, and April, usually first of April. So that would be my recommendation for moving it around. But quite honestly, Barbara, I mean, Sharon, you have done better than anybody I know, so move it whenever you want to. You seem to have the touch. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I just I don't want to lose them because of, of you know the connection with my mother. Sure. As long as you give them the same sort of the same morning sun and afternoon shade, it sounds like you have now. It sounds like to me you got the great great sight for them. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank all you, Walter. Sure, Sharon. Thanks for calling. All righty. Bye bye. Larry's turn comes now from Rex, Georgia, down in Clayton County. Hey, Larry. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you this morning? I'm all right, Larry. <clears throat> What's going on? Walter, I uh, bought a uh, knockout rose about six weeks ago, planted it, and it did great. Then about a week ago, I noticed some white specks uh, on leaves and some holes. And that brought me back a year ago when I had an encore azalea that had the same. Well, the encore azalea a year ago had uh, some white specks on it. So Mm -hmm. I called Mm y'all, talked to Ashley, and Ashley told me to get some insecticidal soap. Two applications of that problem was solved. I don't know if the encores, if the encores there actually had holes in them like this knockout rose does. So I don't know, uh, is it disease beyond saving or? No, it's a different critter completely. But the good news, if you have any of the insecticidal soap left, it's still the right thing to use. Yeah, the, I put it on twice this week, and every time I put it on, it comes a rain shower, and I'm afraid yeah. to wash it away. The, what I bet you have is an insect called a sawfly. And the sawfly itself is a, eh, it looks like a little wasp, about half an inch long, maybe. And the sawfly, the adult, the wasp-looking thing, doesn't do any damage to all the roses. No problem there. But the sawfly female lays eggs, which turn into little grub-like things, like almost like a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. And they, li- they live on the bottom of a leaf. They'll be mostly on the bottom of rose leaves. They'll s- not saw, but they actually sort of graze the surface of the bottom surface of the leaf. And it leads to holes or window painting in the leaf itself. Right. And this is just perfect time for sawflies to be living in the in the uh, garden. And the insecticidal soap, because they're like a caterpillar and have very thin skin, it'll scald them. It literally scalds them to death. The soap just goes in and melts their skin off of them, and they're dead within you know 24 hours. As long as you get the soap underneath the leaves, be good about getting it underneath the leaves, okay. then you can control the sawfly larvae pretty well. Now, the, the blooms, they've all wilted. Do I need to cut them off or yeah. leave them alone? Or? Yeah, go ahead and cut them off. In fact, these are these knockouts you said, I think, Larry? Right. Yeah. Um, what my formula for pruning a knockout is is to go down 16 inches below where you want your next flush of flowers to be because knockouts, you know, bloom two or three times in a season. 
And so if you want your knockouts to be blooming around 36 inches high, then cut it down to 18 inches high. My neighbor's around his mailbox. He wants his to bloom at around 40 inches high, so we go down to about Good. 24 or something like that to prune them off. Now, I planted two knockout roses last summer, and they did great. And I'm having the same. They're about 50 feet away from where this problem that I'm talking to you about this morning yeah. is. And they're developing the same issue. Now, do I need to... Um, do the same thing with yeah. them. Yeah, same thing. Soft flies, because it flies, it can go from rose plant to rose plant to rose plant, so sure. So it's just going to be an annual problem? Pretty much. It seems to me there's nothing that will prevent it year to year. So, yeah, I think every spring you'll notice, oh, look there, honey, the holes got holes in the leaves of my knockout roses here. I need to spray with insecticidal soap. So every spring, April, early May maybe is when you'll start seeing it. Thanks for your help, Walter. All right, man. It's good to talk to you, Larry. Thank you. Yeah, knockout rose is a common rose. Blooms like crazy. And again, notice my formula. If you prune it down 16 inches below where you want your next flush of blooms to be, that's where it will bloom. The other thing to do with knockout roses is be sure and feed them. They love to be fed. They love to be fertilized two or maybe three times during the season. Each time you prune, fertilize then, that stimulates more growth, and the growth comes on, and you have flowers eventually. And that's how to get the knockout rose to look its best. And I need to, one more time, I've done this several times during the last two or three years, to mention rose rosette virus because I had a, oh, this is heartbreaking. I had a lady who sent me a series of pictures of what her rose plantation looked like. And I mean plantation. She had a hundred different roses, different colored knockout roses across her yard. And she sent me pictures of two or three of them that had the characteristic brooming, real thorny, real red growth coming out. She said, is this rose rosette virus? Of a hundred roses, she had about five that have the virus on them right now. And I said, oh, man, this is heartbreaking. You're going to have to take up all of those roses because the virus is very, very, is very contagious. It goes from plant to plant. It is a, a virus that's spread by insects, by little mites, actually, that move from plant to plant. There's no miticide that will control them. And once you have one plant, it'll spread through most of the roses in your yard and your neighbor's yard, too. So the best thing she can do is to at least remove her diseased roses that have the brooming and the thorniness and the red growth on it and try, keep her fingers crossed, pray a little bit over her roses that are left in there. And if she finds that others are infected, remove them immediately. Don't let them get more mites on them, which can spread to other knockout roses. It is a common disease now. Look at your roses for, it can be any rose, not knockout is not the only one that gets it. Other roses do too. But look at all your roses. Make sure you don't see that thorniness, broominess, and red foliage coming out of it. If you need some pictures, I have them on my website. Rose rosette virus can be a real, real problem. It is a real problem for a lot of people with roses right now. Real quickly, let's get Karen in here. Karen's in Alpharetta and joins us. Hi, Karen. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hi. How can I help? I have a florist hydrangea that someone gave me four or five years ago that I planted in a area and it has this year just exploded. It's oh, great. great. Good. And it's just starting to bloom right now, but it is just too large for this area. Mm-hmm. And I wondered after it blooms, I'd like to transplant it. Okay. Should I cut it way back? Should I not? I, I just wondered if you had any tips about successful transplanting. Look at it, just before you transplant it, look at it and notice that some of the stems on it will be longer and some will be shorter. And if you can take the longer ones and cut them back by half and leave the shorter ones on the plant, 
they then will promote the hormones that cause root growth to happen after you transplant it. When you move it, get a hose and just soak the ground around it, make it soggy, soft, soppy, wet around it. And you can sometimes pull them up by the roots, just literally pull them up by the roots or put a, a long shovel underneath and lift them up by the roots so that you almost have a bare root hydrangea plant. If it turns out that you have to cut a few roots, that's fine. But you can transplant them in the middle of the summer. I did this one summer. I was crazy, crazy. But we had an addition to the house, and the guy said, we've got to move the hydrangeas or all going to be taken up by a tractor tomorrow. It was probably, I think, the 4th of July when we dug all the ground underneath a cherry tree in front of the house and transplanted 15, 20 maybe hydrangeas and azaleas from back the back of the house where the addition was going to be built. And we did it again in the middle of the summertime, but we amended the soil really good. We pruned them back just a little bit and planted them, and I think every one of them survived. So it can be done in the heat of the summer, but cut back the longest stems to about half, get as many roots as you possibly can, amend the soil where you plant when you're going to move it to, and with a little judicious watering in July and August, it should be fine. Well, I figured right now with the ground so soft, it might be a good good time to dig the hole where it's going. Yes, it would be. Exactly. And, um, I have one other quick question. Really, about really quick. 30 seconds. Does Clematis Armandi travel under the ground and, and show up other places? Mm, not that I've observed in mine. I have one next to the fence that hasn't moved very much in five or ten years, and Gus has one on his porch that has not moved anywhere in his yard. No, I don't think it does. I don't think well, it does it blow seeds somewhere else? Because I have one that's coming huh. out from under the patio. Wow. From it's got to have seeds, but it doesn't reseed readily. It's not wisteria. I didn't think it did, but I have it showing up, and it's a robust plant, and I just can't mm. figure out how it got there. Seeds is all I can say. Maybe seeds, Karen. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for calling this morning. It's 749. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. She swings her arms instead of her hips. When she talks, she moves her mouth <laughs> instead of her lips. Oh, it's Jason, Jason. Jason Byers in our garden music every Saturday morning. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It'll be pretty much the same today as well as tomorrow. Highs in the mid-50s, low in the high 60s. Showers early leading to thunderstorms in the afternoon. Pretty much 40 or 50% chance of rain each day. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jan is in Milledgeville and joins us on Lawn Garden. Hey, Jan, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, this is the first season that we've discovered Dusty Miller, which we planted mostly during the colder months with our pansies uh -huh. in pots in our yard. And the pansies, of course, have died out really badly, but the Dusty Miller is doing fine, and we just love it. And can, is Dusty Miller, can it be a perennial here in southeastern <laughs> Georgia? You know, there are so many plants that are sold as perennials. In my garden, Jan, turn out to be annuals. You know, I plant them and they last for a year and then they're out of there. That's an annual plant that would be a perennial if I knew what I was doing or lived in some other part of the world, perhaps. 
Dusty, Dusty Miller is sold as an annual. And in right. my yard and your yard and many other yards, it perennializes just fine. Mine's growing, been there two, three, at least, three or four years, I guess. Yours, too, and I think you can treat it as a perennial in, in uh, Milledgeville. Just keep it in the pots like we've been, or should I take it in in the pots in the winter? Or just I don't take it? mine in. Mine's in the ground, in the garden, out by the street, no protection at all. The only maintenance that I do to it is in the spring when the... The new growth came out around the middle of April, I guess it was. I pruned it back some, got an old sort of ratty, raggedy limbs off of it, and let the new growth come out. But that's all I did, and it's going gray and beautiful right now. And it likes more sun, it, it appears. Ours yeah. are all in sunny. Yeah. yeah, mine's in full sun. Great. We love it, and that's good to hear. A perennial plant sold as an annual. Dusty Miller, right. yeah. What that's do you know? where you live. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Jan. Bye-bye. It's 758 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back to more, to more Lawn and Garden after news. Let 